Hi, this is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti, and welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Every team has now played at least one preseason game, and all eyes, of course, last week, they were on the rookie quarterbacks making their NFL debuts. More on that in a minute. My guests this week are Houston Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks and Pittsburgh Steelers legend, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Franco Harris. Real excited for that conversation, so stay tuned to hear both of those. But back to the QBs, the five first-round picks this year, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, they all made a good first impression last week. Of the five, Fields shined the brightest. He got the Bears fans all fired up and riled up with a really nice performance against Miami. Miami's backups, (laughs) Miami's reserves. So, Keep that in mind. Lance had the biggest play of all. He had an 80-yard touchdown pass. Overall, he was inconsistent. Trevor Lawrence, he had a fumble sack on the first play of the game. He looked like the guy that the Jaguars expected him to be when they took him first overall. Wilson and Jones each looked sharp at moments for the Jets and the Patriots, respectively. But before we get carried away, it was one preseason game against backups, against deep reserves. You can't tell much from it, but you would rather see your guys play well in those situations than struggle. So it's a nice start for each of these quarterbacks. Only Lawrence and Wilson are expected to begin the season as QB1. There's really no perfect formula for how to groom a quarterback. We've seen Peyton Manning started right away, ends up being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever live. Patrick Mahomes, he started just one game as a rookie, and he was the NFL MVP in year two. He was a Super Bowl MVP in year three. So each coach, each team, each front office is going to handle this differently. I believe you start the guys right away, one, if they're ready, but also if they're on a non-contending team, like the Jags and the Jets. But San Fran, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance didn't play much in college at North Dakota State. He needs time. The Bears have Andy Dalton. They even have a capable Super Bowl MVP number three quarterback in Nick Foles, and the Patriots have Cam Newton, a former NFL MVP. So Fields and Jones can slowly get comfortable with the system before they go out there. We'll find out a whole lot more about these guys, not in the next coming preseason games, but keep in mind also that they're getting a lot of excellent reps in a lot of the joint sessions that the teams are having in the preseason against other teams. You get more out of that. A lot of coaches tell me you get more out of that than you do in preseason games because at least you get an opportunity to do some 11-on-11s where the offense isn't vanilla and the defenses are really getting after you in some of those practices. But again, we'll find out more about these guys as the preseason continues and into the regular season. Harris is one of the best running backs in NFL history, a four-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. I caught up with Franco before the Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend in Canton. Here is that conversation. Franco, first thing I want to ask you is how closely do you watch today's modern NFL? I still love watching the game. I really do. You know, so I, you know, so if I'm able to, I'll have the football game on. 
How do you think of the evolution of the position that you play? Uh, you were listed as a fullback and you were in college, you were a tremendous blocker and you still got the ball. You got the carries, you got the yards, you got the touchdowns. That kind of the fullback position is kind of gone away and running backs have been a little bit de-emphasized as far as how with the passing in the NFL being so heavy. And really, when you look at their salaries, running backs are also been de-emphasized. How do you feel about that? Well, I uh, know they talk about running backs should not be drafted in the first round. I don't I don't buy that garbage. You know <laughs> I, mean? I think running back can have a huge impact on the team and the performance of a team. Now, sure, they, you know, they look for more skills, I guess. You know, they're looking for more versatile running back. But, you know, when you look at Henry, you know, huge impact on games. You know what I mean? Even though he might not be a big part of the passing games like some of the other running backs, with his running, huge impact, and he can change a game. So, uh, I, you know, like I feel the running backs should play a big part in it and should be given a lot more focus. Now, with that, you know, the Steelers did draft, you know, Najee Harris, the number one pick in the first round. And, and you know, that was something we needed. You know, uh, I'm, I'm really Im- impressed with this kid. But uh, just like anything, we have to see how the performance now goes. So, so we shall see. Your team, your former team, the Steelers, have always had an emphasis on the run game. They, they've always been, regardless of whether Big Ben's slinging it, they always seem to have guys. Uh, you go back to Jerome Bettis. You got guys like Willie Parker, Le'Veon Bell. They've always had a strong running back. Uh, is that kind of like in the culture in the Pittsburgh Steelers tradition? Oh, I think it is. Absolutely. And, you know, when I go back to the seventies, uh, you know, our, uh, you, well, you know, we had two running backs in the backfield and, and I really like that in a way. And, uh, and both of us were part of the passing attack and, you know, with, that usually the halfback being more of the passing attack. You know, like I'm just picturing uh, Rocky, what, uh, catching that, you know, touchdown pass in Super Bowl 13. you know what I mean? You know, having the running backs part of the part of the attack, but also having a running attack and keeping teams balanced because, you know, you have two running backs now that can carry the ball. And, and, uh, and I still think it can be effective. But to have a running game, you have to be committed to it. I mean, you, you know, that's a big part of the mental game, you know, you know that, that running game. And it sets a whole new attitude, a whole new dimension to the game. And now, like, I know they, you know, that they can control the game and it's not as exciting. And I think what made that this new ruling really go into effect was our 1976 season. I'm not sure if you're familiar with our 76 season. We were one win, four losses in our first five games. If we lost one more game, we're out of the playoffs. We just won Super Bowls in 74, 75. 76, I said we're one and four. Lost Terry Bradshaw for the rest of the season. So it is a 14-game season. We had nine games to go. No Terry Bradshaw. We're one and four. Lost one more game. No playoffs after winning two Super Bowls. Guess what? We won all nine games. And in those nine games... Our defense had five shutouts. Wow. This is, this is the NFL. Yeah. 
five shutouts in nine games, and two of the other games, the team only had three points. Wow. And 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 so when you look at this, I mean, we were controlling the ball. Our defense, man, we were – it was, I call it, unbelievable great football. But it wasn't exciting. We have like five shutouts, other coach, three points. That wasn't exciting. It's 1976. And we went all the way to the championship game. And, you know, all three of us running backs got hurt. So we had no running backs going into the championship game except one backup running back. We lost. But, you know, like what I'm getting to is that the running game made the difference. You know, kept our defense off the field. But, you know, you know, they said, man, all these zeros, three points, the next year, all these rules start to change about, you know, the passing game and opened it up. So we had some effect on that uh, ruling, <laughs> I feel. You know, but uh, but I feel teams can go back to that. Now, I don't think the NFL wants that. I think they want, you know, more wide open. And I think they want running backs, you know, who are more versatile, like McCafferty, Kamara, you know, part of the passing game. And, and, and Najee, in my field, can be part of that. When you, when you look back at those four Super Bowls that you guys won, you were MVP of one of them. Which one stands out to you? Like, what's your fondest memories? Well, I mean, all of them are great. I mean, you know, Super Bowl is a Super Bowl, but uh, <laughs> I guess Super Bowl thirteen kind of is uh, one that's kind of exciting. Playing at night, think it ended up like, uh, what, 35, 31, something like that. So there's a lot of excitement there, a lot, you know, a lot going on. But uh, uh, but the first one is always one that's dearest to your heart. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm just picturing our team captain at the time, Andy Russell, Panning old man Rooney <laughs> from our first Super Bowl there. And, you know, and the Steelers were made it the worst team in NFL history for their first 40 years. And old man Rooney to receive that, you know, win a Super Bowl, you know, he you know, he just didn't think during his lifetime that would happen. And in that super, you know, that Super Bowl game ball to him is a special memory and moment that means a lot. You had a lot of character, a lot of great players, a lot of Hall of Famers uh, as teammates. You're in the Hall of Fame yourself. We know Terry's a, a certainly he's a, a big character guy. We see, still see him on TV right now. Who, who are some of your uh, closest friends on, on that on that team? Now, now, listen, how about this, right? How about this? Almost 50 years later, another one of our teammates are, is going into the Hall of Fame, Donnie Shell. Yeah. I mean, how incredible is that, that, you know, you know, teammates of ours still from the 70s are going into the Hall of Fame. And that really showed the caliber of players, you know, that we had and, and just, you know, the, the character of not only on the field, but off the field of the players. And I still feel that we're not done yet. I still feel that Elsie Greenwood should go in. And I feel that Andy Russell should go in. You know, like I feel from the 70s, we're not done. And, you know, I just had fun with, you know, so many of our players and I still have fun with them. You know, we still get together. The last year and a half, two years have been a little rough, as we all know. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting together, you know, with my linemen. You know, well, I did have dinner with Rocky the other night. 
I have to. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, uh, you know, but the last year and a half has been pretty tough. Uh, and it'll be good to gather with, you know, at the Hall of Fame weekend because, you know, that's a special group of guys. And that's a, and those are special moments to gather at the Hall of Fame with the other Hall of Famers. It, uh, it really is, you know, just a very touching moment, uh, you know, to have some of the greatest of the greats. And, you know, to know that since 1990, all the past greats and, uh, and all the new inductees, I've, you know, had, you know, nice experiences. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And, uh, you know, great to be part of it. Franco, nowadays we see players move around a lot from team to team. That didn't happen so much back in, in your time, in your era, because uh, a free agency has changed a lot, salary cap has changed a lot. You ended up finishing your career the one last season in Seattle. When, when you look back on that now, is, is that kind of strange to have put on a different uniform? Because you're, you know, we know you as a, a Pittsburgh Steeler legend. Was it odd for you to have one season with a, a different team? Well, that was very strange and it really wonderful, you know, probably even less than half the season, you know, but uh, yeah, it felt really strange. And, uh, uh, you know, I was healthy, but it was just hard to get motivated knowing that it would be my last, you know, my last season. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, like it was tough, but, uh, but I, but I don't look at it that way. I look at it as 12 great years with the Steelers and wow, was it great. And, you know, now that I said, it's great to have, you know, other Hall of Famers, you know, one, one of my teammates, Donnie Shell, getting in along with four other Steelers. And so that gives it with the, you know, with my game day socks, you know, uh, you know, we're honoring all the inductees into the Hall of Fame with our game day socks. And, uh, uh, you know, this is to honor the, the uh, legacy of the players going in and uh, where people can wear their wear this along with their game day gear, the team colors and their favorite player. And also to know that these socks will always be odor free, always odor free. So they don't have to wash them when they lose or they can't wash them when they lose. You know what I mean? The refresh and restart. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm doing a, ra- a lot of work around the house right now. I can use some of those <laughs> odor free game day game socks. socks. Absolutely. <laughs> That's you great. I was checking them out. There's a there's a whole. It's tremendous. You you can get them uh, any of the Hall of Famers, uh, all, all those guys, the guys going in right now. So that's game day socks. It's, it's pretty pretty cool for sure, Franco. Uh, when, when you when you finished up, when you retired, you were like 192 yards, I believe, away from Jim Brown. It, did that cross your mind? Like, how much did you think about that at the time? Were you trying to? get that number, get that record? Or was it just like, hey, it's time to move on. Let's just, let's go into life after football. Hey, you know what? I would have loved to have done that, but, you know, circumstances, you know, like it didn't happen. And, and, and you know, I don't sit around, you know, second guessing on things. You know, I get on with my life and said, hey, you know what? Unbelievable career. You know, who would have thought? I mean, uh, what I accomplished personally, what the team accomplished, it was beyond my wildest dream. Ending of going to the Hall of Fame was just icing on the cake. So, and now we know my teammate going in along with four other Steelers, it's fantastic. You were first African-American, first Italian-American Super Bowl MVP. How how proud of a moment is that for you to know that you were were the first guy? And I know that the Italian community, Italian-American community rallied around you. You were like a favorite son for them. 
Oh, yeah. Frank of the Italian Army was incredible. But as you said, being the first African-American, first Italian-American, you know, for a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it's just, you know, just an awesome feeling, you know, an awesome honor. First of all, making it to the Super Bowl and then being the MVP, my my mom and dad being there. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, like, you know, like my mom and dad, you know, not I mean, my mom not wanting us to play football. She's from Midley. Knew nothing about football, right? Didn't want us to play. And now I'm in the Super Bowl, so. Thank you, Franco. Well, this is a great afternoon, great conversation. Hope we have a chance to talk again. Ciao. Brandon Cooks may be one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. He's had five 1,000-yard receiving seasons with four different teams, New England, New Orleans, the Rams, and Houston Texans, in just seven seasons in the NFL. I sat down with Brandon this week. Here is that conversation. Brandon, first off, how's training camp been going for you? You guys have a new head coach, David Culley. There's a lot of uncertainty yeah. going over there in Houston. What's it been like? You know, uh, you know, training camp has been going well. You know, we work and grinding every single day in this humidity, uh, continue to come together as a football team. So, um, I'm, I'm happy where we are. We got a long way to go, but that's the beauty of training camp. We're just going to continue to just grind it out uh, to make sure we're ready by week one. Your first year, last year in Houston, you had another great season. Your fifth 1,000-yard receiving year. It was your first one with Deshaun. Uh, now you got Tyrod Taylor in there. We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun. How different, how similar are they as quarterbacks? Uh, I never get into the comparison game with my quarterbacks. I, one thing I will say, they're both competitors. Uh, Tyrod is a competitor. He's been playing in this game for a really long time. Um, and, you know, he's a natural leader as well. Um, so you love coming to work with him every single day and, and love the way that he goes about his business. David's a guy who, uh, long history as a wide receivers coach in the NFL, to have a guy like that be elevated finally to head coach yeah. and walk into what's a difficult circumstance there. How's he been handling it? What do you like about his coaching? I mean, I think he's been handling it really well. You know, you come in, the thing that he's going to bring, he's going to bring that energy and focus every single day. And when you have that from your head coach, uh, you tend to follow. So I think he's been coming in first day we got here, he grabbed the attention of the room. And when you do that as a coach right off the bat, uh, your players tend to follow. How's Deshaun been handling? I don't, I don't know how close you guys are. Yes. You've only been with him for a year. How's he been handling everything? I think he's been handling well. Yeah, I think he's been handling well. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, first year, last year in Houston, you've been on four teams, five 1,000-yard seasons. How do you handle your change so well, going from team to team, and not allow it to affect your performance? Uh, you know, for me, at the end of the day, it's just another uniform. I know who I am as a player. I know wherever I line up, regardless where it is, I'm going to do my job and do it at a high level and do it at a level that a lot of these receivers are doing it at. Um, so for me, it never affects me um, because I know I'm just going what I bring to the table, regardless of where I'm at. Now, every time you go somewhere, you got to learn a new system, learn a new scheme. Yeah. You've played with different. You've been with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, Deshaun. Yeah. You've been with some very talented yeah. quarterbacks. How much does that help you when you transition? You know, for me, learning from them, uh, you know, just the ins and outs, not just on the football field, but how to take care of your body. I learned a lot from them guys, uh, but also learned uh, the way that they like things and been able to just bring it to other quarterbacks around me. Um, just the way that they lead, the way that they go about their work. Uh, I learned a lot from them in that aspect. 
one of those teams you played for, the Patriots, who were there a year. And I remember after that game, asking Tom Brady directly how the how much of an impact it was because you got hurt and, and you got yeah. knocked out in that game and how much your loss was an impact. And he said it was tremendous. It was huge. When you look back on it, and I don't know if you do, Brandon, do you think about that and think, hey, it was a close game. Had I been able to, to, to play, if that didn't happen that way, things may have been different? You know, you, you think about it every once in a while, but at the end of the day, it was one of those things that, you know, just out of my control, but you just hate that it happens in a game like that. You can't be there uh, to help your team. So it was unfortunate, but I learned from it, I guess, in that sense, but it continues to keep that chip on my shoulder. Brandon, I know you love photography. How, how did you even develop that as a, I, I guess you would call it a hobby, right? How, how did you yeah, develop yeah. that love? Uh, traveling. When I started to travel and, and I started to see the world for what it was, I thought to myself, I got to capture this, but I got to capture it in a unique way. I mean, great iPhones take good pictures and all, but to really remember it how I want to remember it, I really started to get in photography with Leica and, uh, you know, take it to the next level. That's pretty cool. I, I, I know you, you've you done a lot of work with single moms. What does it mean to you to be able to give back in that way and, and to help out moms who are doing this? It's, it's tough out there for two parents, let alone yeah. single moms, man. You know, just coming from that myself, it always had a close place in my heart. Um, just seeing how my mom struggled raising me and my three older brothers, uh, it's always been something that was endeared to me. So when I see it and now I'm in a position to be able to help others, that's what my heart has led to help single moms. And I guess you can really call it single parents. Um, you know, I say single moms just because that's what I grew up in. But as we all know, single parent is a single parent and it's hard. Um, and so that's where I try to give back and, and try to help and uh, just know to myself to never forget where I came from. Brandon, when you were growing up looking at potentially playing in the NFL one day, were there any wide receivers you tried to emulate? Oh, yeah. Who, who was Steve it? Smith. Steve, Steve Smith. Carolina, Baltimore. I mean, you talk about a guy, 5'9". He brought it every single day, every game. You know, that was someone I looked up to growing up and always wanted to uh, be like once I made it to the league. That's very cool, man. And uh, I, I know he's he's got a job in the media now. I, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he had a chance to talk to you. Yeah, we, we we talked a couple of times. Uh, got a lot of respect for him. I remember when I was young, he, he let me come stay with him and work out with him for a couple of weeks, you know, going in my rookie year. So a lot of respect for that dude. Brandon, I know you introduced a lot of players to this new form of light therapy that you use for anxiety and sleep issues. What is it? How did you find out about it? And how much has it helped you? Well, first of all, it's, it's a lamp that, you know, it's not, you know, for me, I, at first I was a little weary. I'm like, okay, uh, a lamp or a light and it gives, gives off green light. But then when I, once I start to use it, for me, sleep is, is really something that I struggle with. And when they told me that it can help me and promote sleep, I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And once I start trying it out, I was like, okay, it's something to it. So, and then for my wife, you know, was using around the house because, you know, she has headache. Um, for me, it was just anything that can help me sleep. Obviously, it comes to performance, comes to recovery. I started doing that and it's been a game changer. And I've been able, fortunate enough to know that it affects me. And so I started to give some to my, whether it's my teammates or team, you know, players that's in, in my agency. And, and they said the same thing, you know, especially during this time, like training camp. Sleep is real, real thin. So you, you need whatever you can to be able to enhance that. How many years? Have you been using it? Uh, this is, I would say, about about a year now, actually. About a year, going over just a little over a year. Man, like you said, sleep is so very important. You got a little one at home, don't you? 
Yeah, I got, and that's the other thing. Yeah, you know, first one, (laughs) he's 10 months now. I think just, like I said, the calming effect. You you, you never think a light like that can do something like that. The beautiful thing is there's nothing, there's literally no side effects. You know what I mean? Uh, It's just, it's a light that the way uh, that it gives off this green light uh, is backed by Harvard university so as you know anytime harvard put their touch on something you know it's got something to it right and so once they said that i was sold i was sold i'll be honest with you when i was reading about it i got the email i'm checking it out i see harvard my I, my my eyes lit up i'm like wait a minute harvard's involved i, I i'm having some trouble sleeping right now new house new environment i gotta check this out myself yeah, no, yeah, no. So it, it's awesome, and I think if it, people get the a chance or want to want to be able to try it out, it's it, it's not like I said, it's not just the light. It's like you know the wavelength that you get off. It's like infrared sauna in a sense. Yeah. People think it's just the red light that's doing the work, but it's actually uh, you know the wavelengths that that you cannot see that that is uh, that is doing something for you. That's pretty cool, man. I appreciate it. Last one for you. Not not a lot of expectations for the Houston Texans this year. Is there, is there like how, how do you guys approach that? Some teams look at it like, hey, we love being the underdogs. I, we yeah. hope nobody thinks that from yeah. us. We're going to sneak up on you and 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 make you feel it on the way out the door. You know, I, I think that's the, that's the mindset that we have. At, at the end of the day, you still got to line up. It's football, um, and it's still mano y mano. So regardless what the hype teams that they get, you still got to play us. And the way that we work, and you know, we love we love being an underdog. Brandon, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you again. For, for some final thoughts Tim Tebow was cut this week ending his bid to convert from quarterback to tight end nine years after the last time he played a snap in the NFL Tim announced that the Jaguars released him on social media he graciously thanked the team his former Florida coach Urban Meyer for the opportunity and I wouldn't expect anything less from Tim Tebow but as usual the Tim Tebow haters reveled in his failure and I will never understand why A guy who does so much good is 100% genuine about helping others and making the world a better place, why he gets so much criticism. And I don't want to hear the nonsense about he was taking an opportunity away from a more deserving guy because the next player who steps in is going to get released too. You have so many, you got 90 guys on a roster and Tim Tebow was taking one up. So what? That's not a reason to bury the guy. That's it for this week. Thank you to Brandon Cooks and Franco Harrison. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. And also check out my colleague Ralph Russo and his AP Top 25 college football podcast. Share, review, tell a friend about both. Until next week, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference, be a blessing.